Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Tristan. I'm so happy to welcome you guys to the Novus Podcast. This is a podcast that's going to change your life. I need you guys to watch all the way to the end. But first, hit that subscribe button, share this with a friend, like, and comment. Let's get into this. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of the Novus Church Podcast, guys. I'm extremely excited about this one. Um, I was actually scrolling through Instagram with my Global Awakening family, and I was like, okay, Lord, um, give me someone to invite. Give me somebody that is going to bring a word, that's going to bring something uh, fresh. And I actually came upon this man, and I was like, whoa, okay, oh. God. I was like, wow, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he has uh, for everybody. Not only like, you know, I'm young and I feel like a lot of people um, receive a lot from me because of my age, you know, in my generation, but I believe that you're bringing something to my generation. So everybody, I would like to introduce to you uh, the founder of um, Faith Like Birds Ministries uh, onto our podcast today, uh, Brian Connolly. Welcome. Awesome, dude. Thank you so much, Tristan. That's super humble, dude, that you like, because I was wondering, like, how'd you hear about me? And so it's really neat to see that you just were praying. And that's what we want, man. We want the Lord to be highlighting, you know, who it is he wants us to run with and partner with. So that's super cool. Well, guys, listen. I'm pumped to be here. Tristan just dropped a bombshell about two minutes ago, and he said, hey, you have to have a message. So <laughs> I was like, well, I didn't have a message. However, um, the Lord says we should be ready in and out of season. And there's just some things, guys, that have just been burning on my heart. You know, um, as you become familiar with the ministry of Faith Like Birds, you'll notice very quickly that we work primarily with teenagers. That's just our bread and butter, for lack of a better way to say it. That's the calling of God on our lives. And if there's anything that we've been noticing with teenagers, the number one need in their generation, this is what I want to speak to today. And I'm just believing, guys, listen, there is power in the gospel. Guys, listen, like the Bible is so clear when Paul says, this is the gospel. This is how he defines it. It is the power of God for salvation. I'd like to propose to you that is more than just receiving Jesus into your heart and going to heaven one day. I am telling you, it can be the total transformation of a life. It doesn't just promise you eternity, which it does. I'm not downplaying that. But there is freedom from everything made available because of the atoning work of Jesus. He died on the cross, nailed to that cross, the certificate of debt, it says in Colossians chapter 2. So he disarmed the powers. And when he came, guys, when, when the word became flesh, we're celebrating Christmas, right? When the incarnate word became flesh and Jesus came on the scene, his announcement was this, and we cannot miss this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? So that means this. That means a superior kingdom was coming to displace an inferior kingdom, right? And we all know what it's like to be bound by the inferior kingdom. We all know what it's like to be slaves to sin. We all know what it's like to be a slave to, you know, potentially an addiction. That was my story. Um, we all know what it's like to be held in darkness and suddenly a great light shone on the people, right? And I love that. So I'm going to take time today and talk about demons. I hope you're cool with that, everybody. I, I, I like. I tell people all the time, this stuff, I love it. Like I love when they manifest. I love when they come out of people because to me, it's the evidence that the kingdom of God is present, right? So you have Peter describing the Lord to Cornelius and his household, Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And he makes this statement. He says, you heard of Jesus of Nazareth, right? So I'm hoping I'm hoping up to this point, we've heard of Jesus of Nazareth, who did what? He was anointed with the Holy Spirit, going around doing good, and he was freeing and healing everybody who was oppressed by the devil. So guys, do not miss this. One of the reasons why Jesus came was to make sure you and I got free. He doesn't want us in slavery. He said in Luke chapter 4, when he stood up and he was quoting from the prophet Isaiah, listen, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Why is that important? Because it's in the Spirit that the kingdom is found. It's in the Spirit that righteousness, peace, and joy are found. And that's the kingdom of God, according to Romans 14, 17. Now, that is not just feelings. Like, they are feelings. Like, But listen, righteousness makes right wrong things right. Like, it has a, in a moment. Like, when you get born again, what was dead becomes alive. What was wrong becomes right. Peace has the potential, guys, to absolutely overwhelm any amount of oppression that's in your life, whether it's anxiety, it's depression, you know, it's any of those things. And then joy, like God, it's, he wants to give you laughter, right? So it's, it's, you know, it's good for the soul. It's all these different things, but it is the answer to the power that wants to come against us. Like it literally, his kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. And in that, they are not just dispositions. They're not just feelings. It's the power of God to displace the activity, the oppression of the enemy in a person 
person's life. It allows the depressed to laugh. It gives the anxious peace. It causes those that were dead in sin to be made alive. He who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's 2 Corinthians 5.21. So you, you have Jesus quoting the prophet Isaiah and saying, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Guys, that does not mean the people who are irresponsible with money. That doesn't mean people who have, don't have a lot in their bank account. It just means that the kingdom of God belongs to the poor in spirit. When you and I finally get to the place where we're at the end of our rope, where we realize I can't do this anymore. And again, that was my story. I was addicted to crack. I was addicted to pornography. I was addicted to food. Anything you could think of, anything that would take the edge off, anything that would just end the pain I was addicted to, right? So I, but when I finally got to the point where I was like, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't have it in myself to save me, deliver me, heal me. That's when, guys, when you get to the end, God can finally begin. So when he's declaring, I've come to preach good news to the poor, he's talking about people who realize I need a savior. I need God to move in my life. It's the humble, guys, that grace comes to. So, so, and don't forget this, water always flows to the lowest place. The lower we go, the more the act activity of the spirit, guys, we attract to ourselves. So God loves it when we get to the place to say, I can't, but I believe you can. And I think that's faith. That's what faith is. So he said, the spirit of the Lord God is on me. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind the brokenhearted. Guys, there's so many people that are wounded inside, traumatized, rejection, divorced parents, uh, abuse, um, social uh, snubbing, bullying, you know, you name it. Those were a lot of things that made up my story that contributed to the fruit that was hanging on my tree. But God has the ability in a moment, guys, like my master's degree is in counseling. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need eight years of counseling. God, and I'm not against it. God in a moment can totally set you free of the effects of rejection, abuse, shame, neglect, abandonment. He can all do it, guys, in a moment. He comes to bind the brokenhearted, set captives free and proclaim freedom to prisoners. So I just want to say to any of you that is watching watching or will be watching in the future. Anybody that's listening, I'm here to tell you today can be your day. And I don't mean that to be cliche because we're going to pray that God breaks the power of things off your life today and, and brings an end uh, to any, any cycle of shame you're caught in. Because here's the good news, guys. If you've got something going on in your life that you're like, gosh, I hate that thing. I wish I didn't do that. For me, it was pornography. God set me free at 19 years old of an addiction to crack cocaine, a carton a week cigarette habit, and different addictions. But that pornography thing, hung on for another 10 years. But here's the deal, guys. This is important. I hated it. I didn't give it a place in my life. In fact, every time I would look at it, uh, I, I couldn't even get into bed at night without confessing it to my wife because I realized like, I wish, I wish I wasn't bound in it, but guys, no matter what I did in my flesh, I couldn't get out of it because you are never by the flesh going to defeat a spiritual issue or problem, right? So I don't care how many passwords you put on something. I don't care how many accountability partners you have. You don't need uh, accountability partners and you don't need passwords. You need power. And the only one that can set you free is the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm here to tell you that you're going to see people say things like this. Well, that's every man's battle. You know, every man... You know, he's he's visual, he lusts. This is what he's gonna do. Guys and girls, I'm here to tell you it is not every man's battle. God did not make Adam to lust after Eve in the garden. He did not make Adam to look at Eve and undress her with his eyes. That is not how God designed man. And if Christ redeems, which means to buy, not only buy us back, but to take us back to our original created value, then it is possible because of what Jesus did on the cross, understanding our new nature and the availability of the power of the Spirit, he can break you free of any single bondage. Okay, so Here's what I'd like to tell you guys is Matthew 12, 28, Jesus makes this statement after the Pharisees are questioning him about, you know, you, you not only are you healing on the Sabbath, but you're casting out demons by the ruler of the demons. You're casting out demons by Beelzebul, right? And Jesus makes this profound statement. We'd all be like, that sounds logical. And he says to them, he says, hey, guys, you you can't, Satan can't cast out Satan. Beelzebul can't cast out, you know, Beelzebul because that makes no sense because that would be a house divided against itself, right? And so Jesus then says this. He says, hey, guys, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, cast out Satan, cast out darkness, then surely the kingdom has come. So that tells me this. That means one of the signs that the kingdom has come and is advancing 
is that people get free. Jesus paid way too high of a price for us to stay where we are. It says in Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom's sake that Christ came to get us free, right? You look at Israel, who was in bondage in Egypt. This is amazing, and I feel like this is going to touch somebody right now. The Lord told Moses, I heard the cries of my people. Listeners, I'm here to tell you, watchers, I'm here to tell you, the Lord has heard your cries. You might be like me, who was like, God, why'd you set me free of this? And then for 10 years, I was still bound in pornography. I don't have all the answers to that, guys. Here's what I know. I hated it, and if you're caught in something you hate, that's the sign your heart is alive, and that's not who you are. So if you're the kind of person that's like, my gosh, if I could have a do-over, I would totally change you know, my mind about that. I hate this sin. That's the sign your heart's alive. You belong to him. You're born again, but you just need help getting free, and the help you need is not through a man. It is through the kingdom of God in the Holy Spirit, right? Now, if you're messing with sin, and you see the line, and you cross over it, and you're willfully choosing it, and you're practicing it, and your heart doesn't break when you do it, that's a problem. And you may need to revisit, am I genuinely transformed? Does God really have my heart? Have I submitted to God's lordship? Am I really born again? And that's a whole other message. That's where I was originally thinking I was going to go. But guys, God did not say, for, for God so loved the world that he sent the sinner's prayer. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, right? So it's it's salvation's a person. It's not just me saying a prayer. And you know, you know when you're changed. You know when you're transformed. You know when God is sitting on the throne of your heart because you realize that your trust isn't in yourself. It's not in your church attendance. It's not in your Bible knowledge. It's not in whether or not you go to youth group. It's in a person. And if I'm going to trust the person, then I have to give him inevitably, logically, my life, which means I give him the opportunity to be my Lord and my Savior. Now, if you, like I said, if you are in a spot Let's say, let's say, for example, you're struggling with pornography. You're a guy, and I'll tell you this, as, as we travel, as we go, I used to think to myself, wow, this is just a dude problem. Guys struggle with this. And what we noticed throughout the summer is that it's not just a dude problem. Almost split down the middle, guys and girls alike are struggling with this thing. Now, here's what I want to tell you. If you're struggling with that, and even if you're not coming clean with it because you're ashamed, because a lot of times sexual sin carries shame, but at the end of the day, your heart breaks and say, God, I hate this. Guys, rejoice with me. That is a sign that you're alive because there was a point in time where I used to look at porn. It didn't bother me. But when I got saved, the appetite you once had for something, that's a sign, guys, you're transformed, is it's true. Like, uh, you know, if a man, any woman's in Christ, he's a new creation, right? That means new desires, new appetites, new interests, they come. That means you also lost your capacity now to sin and get away with it and enjoy it. Because one of the signs you're alive is your relationship with sin and righteousness changes. The sin you used to love, you now hate. And the righteousness you used to war against that, you, you know, the Bible is abundantly clear. We were enemies. We were at war with God in the hostility of our mind, engaged in evil deeds, Colossians 1. One of the signs that you're alive is you actually want to please him. And your hatred for that bondage is the sign that you're alive. But here's what the enemy would have us do, is we'll get focused on what hasn't changed yet. We still think, I am that problem. I am my addiction. You're not that. Your heart's alive. You don't have agreement with it. And you need to thank God that he loves you, that he's fathering you, that you're his son, and that his power and his grace is towards you. And if you continue to go low, as you're listening to this podcast, as you're watching this podcast, there's an opportunity coming, maybe in the next five or 10 minutes, where we're going to pray together and we're going to take the authority that God has given. Because if we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, then whatever's trying to war in the heavenlies, you and I are above that. And make no mistake, guys, like the kingdom came through Christ it's still advancing through his church. He hasn't changed his mind. John 20, the same way the Father sent me, I'm now sending you, right? You wait in Jerusalem till you receive power from on high. And one of the signs, guys, the number one sign of the believer, according to Mark 16, is they cast out demons, okay? So it's, it's possible, guys, that Jesus is still doing what he did yesterday today the one who's the same yesterday today and forever he hasn't changed his mind this is this is this is christianity god wants us to be free so here's here's one of my favorite stories in case anybody's sitting there saying to themselves not me you don't know my story you don't know how long i've been struggling with this guys here's what i do know the bible doesn't mince words there's reasons why you read things like okay the man at the pool of bethesda was there for 32 years there's a reason why you read that the woman who was bent over double was bent over double by a spirit for 18 years there's a reason why you read things like the woman who with the issue of blood had that issue for 12 years 
Because if you're not careful, the amount of years that have gone by can be the reason why God's never going to do anything. Now that becomes your resume. Now that becomes the reason why God can't move. Now that becomes the reason why God doesn't love me and he doesn't hear my prayer. Listen, go back to Egypt. Go back to when God came to Moses. They were in captivity for roughly 400 years. Here's the thing. Their prayers went up. God heard. And now at the fullness of the time, God's going to intervene. And he comes and he delivers his people out of bondage. And the greatest deliverance we could ever experience is out of our sinful nature into a new and righteous nature. Now, there are times, unfortunately, that as we go from death to life, sometimes there's still things like, like for me, like I got saved at 19, but like I struggled with pornography for 10 years. What broke it? Here's what broke it. I went to a conference at Global Awakening. Tristan mentioned Global Awakening. I went to a Global Awakening conference as a youth pastor in 2009, as an evangelical Lutheran youth pastor who didn't grow up in the church, who would read this and be like, where is this today? Like, how come we're not seeing the supernatural take place? And if you're wrestling with that, I'd like to ask you a question. If I were to take you and put you on a desert island and erase your memory from ever reading something like this or having any exposure to this and and being in church and any anything that you were ever taught to believe or not to believe by a leader and I were to completely like men in black look at this red light wipe your mind and then I were to say read this for a year and I'll come back and I'll put you in a church like if you were to read this for a year and I were to put you in the average church you would say something's missing. And I would challenge you and say, somebody's missing. And it's the presence of God. The power of the Holy Spirit is missing at large, mostly from the church. So I would be like, man, where is this? How come we're not laying hands on the sick? How come the blind aren't seeing the deaf hearing and all this stuff? And a buddy of mine invited me to this conference because it was titled The School of Healing and Impartation. And the word deliverance was in it, deception and disbelief. But I heard deliverance and I said, I'm going because I was hungry. I didn't want to be bound in this thing anymore. And everybody knew, like my wife knew it. I told my pastor about it. The kids I ministered to, they knew about it because kids respect authenticity and vulnerability. And I'm like, guys, like, I hate this, but this is going on. I just didn't know how to get out of it. And maybe some of you feel that way. Maybe some of you, you have that same reaction again and again and again. When somebody says something or do, does something, you this this switch flips and you go on autopilot and you have that angry reaction or you feel yourself flare up with jealousy or whatever but you feel like it's out of your control that's a good sign guys that a strong man is present guarding his house but there's one who's stronger that can come and bind him and plunder his possessions right and jesus is zealous for his house and you belong to him zeal he said that when he flipped the tables over right in the in the temple, he said, zeal for my father's house has consumed me. So don't for a second think Christ doesn't want to go to war. Don't think for a second that the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't want to come and make your house clean. And even though it might be unoccupied, swept and put in order, then we need to fill it back up, guys, with truth. Like, please don't for a moment think, hey, that was nice. God touched me because I get this question all the time. How come somebody isn't doing well a year later? That's because not everybody continues in his word, right? So John 8, 31 through 30. 32. If you continue in my word, then you're disciples of mine, which means what? Just because you believe doesn't mean you're a disciple. So you have to continue in his word. And those that continue in my word, they're disciples of mine. They will know the truth. The truth will make them free. So not everybody takes this and says, God, you said this was bread. And I'm asking as I come and read this, would you break this open and would you feed me through this today? I want to see your face, right? So that was David's prayer. One thing I ask, that will I seek, that I might see your face, right? Behold your beauty in the temple. You had Jesus tell uh, Mary in Mary and Martha's house, only one thing is necessary. So we got to get good, guys. Like, we have to get good as clay sitting still on the potter's wheel. We have to learn how to continue to yield before God and realize I can't mold myself. There's nothing in my life. Like if I couldn't save myself, I can't make myself look more like him. If I couldn't recreate my spirit, I can't deliver myself out of bondage or out of pornography. So here, here I am in this conference and I'm listening and I'm watching and Randy Clark's there, my friend Will Hart and Rodney Hogue. And dude, I get radically touched by the Holy Spirit. Second night there. And it has been since December 3rd, 2009, I haven't even had a single desire to look at pornography. Now, you are not free if you're trying not to do what you want to do, right? So Jesus is not into sin management. It's it's not like that's nothing against AA, nothing against Narcotics Anonymous or anything like that. The problem with those things are, though, is 
it's it's you have to manage an appetite. You have to suppress an appetite through accountability. You have to continue to attend meetings. Meetings are not going to save you. Meeting, and when I say save, I'm not saying send you to heaven. What I'm saying is deliver you. What I'm saying is to heal you. What will heal you is your humility and recognizing I have this problem. I can't save myself. And I I acknowledge in front of, you know, I tell people all the time, like, hey, if you got something going on, stand up. I'm like, here's what you're declaring in your standing. I have a problem. I can't fix it, and I need God to do something about it. That's called humility, and grace comes to the humble. And grace is more than just his unmerited favor, because Jesus didn't need to grow in unmerited favor, like when it says that he was full of grace and truth. He Grace is the power of God to do something. It's 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 uh, it's it's more than just, um, hey, he, he forgives me when I don't deserve forgiveness. His power is towards you. How else can you be saved by grace through faith? So it's my faith in Jesus. The woman with the issue of blood, she heard. She heard what Jesus was doing, and then all of a sudden this phase, this faith rose up here. If I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. That's insanity because nobody up to that point had that thought, and yet when she reaches out and touches it, uh, Jesus said, I felt virtue or power, depending on your translation, go out from me. So that's all God needs is, is when you hear this stuff, the reason why I'm taking my time, I'm preaching the gospel, I'm sharing testimony, because when you hear this stuff, faith is the byproduct. And we have to get back to apostolic preaching. Like Paul said, like, I've determined to know nothing among you, but Christ and him crucified. Paul said, I fully preached the gospel of Christ by doing what? By by claiming uh, to not elevate myself or magnify myself. Well, I'll just read it to you because it's so powerful. It's Romans chapter 15. It's uh, where he actually declares what the gospel is. He says, for I will not presume, verse 18, to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. That's powerful. Listen what it results in, obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. So I'm here to tell you, if it's just word, it ain't the gospel. When word and deed are married together, what did, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 4.20? The kingdom of God is not a matter of word, but it's a matter of power, right? And he said, I will come, and I won't just find out the people among you. I won't just find out about the things they're saying. I'll find out if they have power. One of the signs that the kingdom is present is the power of God is made of it. What did it say of Jesus? The power of God was present for him to heal. I think that's what it says around Luke 4 or 5. So there's something about the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit, which I believe our job as ministers of the gospel is to preach the good news of Christ. It's his job to come and confirm the word of his grace. So if I'm just doing my job by declaring, hey, this is who Jesus is, this is who he promises to be to, for you, these are the promises of God that are yes, and we say our, our amen, and this is what he's done in my life. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Then it goes on to say, in the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit, so that far as far as Jerusalem, roundabout as far as Illyricum, I fully preached the gospel of Christ. Here's what he's saying. I didn't just preach it by, by what I said. I preached it by what was done. And even, even, even Philip goes down into Samaria and it says he preached Christ to them and people were getting set free. The demons were coming out of people. And then Peter and John come down and lay hands on them for the baptism in the spirit. But if anyone is wrestling with, well, you don't know my story. You don't know how far, you know, how far gone I am. Well, I'd like to propose to you. There's a story in Mark chapter five about a man who lives among the tombs. And this is exactly what the devil would want. He wants you to hang around dead things. He doesn't want you to come to life. He wants you to hang out around, he wants you to hang out around darkness. Now, here's the thing. This guy is naked. He's gashing himself with stones. Cutting is not a new thing, listeners and, and watchers. Um, in fact, if you go far, as far back as when Elijah is having the confrontation with the prophets of Baal, what are they doing? They're gashing themselves with stones. They're crying out to their God, which I believe anytime somebody is bound in self-harm, there's a crying out. It's just to the wrong thing. They're wanting somebody to see. They're wanting somebody to notice, even though they'll cover it up. They're wanting desperately to feel something. There's a crying out in their spirit. And this man is gashing himself with stones. And it says this, no chain could break him. Now I'm going to make a strong, or no, no chain could bind him. So I'm going to make a strong statement. And I made it earlier, guys, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's a demonic problem or a spiritual problem, I don't care how many chains you put on it. Though it'll break it every time. It didn't matter how many passwords I had on a phone. It didn't matter how many passwords I had on my computer. If I wanted to look at pornography, I found a way around it. It didn't matter how many times my best friend was like, bro, if you're tempted, just call me. Guess what I didn't do when I was tempted? I never called him. Why? Because once that thing starts going, you're in it. And that's what I mean when I say like, if you're trying hard not to do what you want to do, that's not freedom. But here's the thing. After 
it's over after you do the act and after you find out that well I used to drink from doesn't doesn't quench my thirst anymore. Then the enemy has a heyday with you. That's when the enemy comes with accusation. Oh, and we've all heard this voice. Come on, man, you know better than that. And then he'll come and be like, what's wrong with you? You shouldn't be doing that. And then he gets you to think, I'm still what I'm doing. You're not what you're doing. Could you imagine if after you looked at pornography, I'm not assuming everybody listening and watching does, but could you imagine if after you did what you didn't want to do, you rejoiced and said, Lord, I thank you so much that when my heart used to not feel it, I now feel it. Thank you so much for changing me inside. Thank you for being faithful to finish what you began. That is a far different response than feeling like I can't talk to God for a while now because he's angry with me. That's how I used to be. I'd look at pornography. I'd feel disappointed. I didn't even know where I stood with myself. So surely God's disappointed with me. And because I struggled with rejection and performance most of my life, because I dropped the ball as a Christian and missed the mark, God must be rejecting me. He must be withdrawing. And it it is amazing to me how much we still act like Adam and Eve, that when we screw up, we won't run looking for the fig leaves. We screw up and we run and try to hide. But the reality is, even in the garden, he came and said, where are you? He wants to restore relationship. We're the ones that run. He's not threatened by your process. He's not intimidated by the fact that you're still struggling. He wants to hold you. He didn't say to the prodigal son, you know what? You're right. You are disgusting and you have sinned and I, you are unworthy to be my son. He didn't even debate with him. He kissed him, he hugged him, and he clothed him. That's what God wants to do. We're the ones that run in the opposite direction because our view of the Father is twisted, and we're still we're still relating to him out of a sin-conscious mentality. And like the beauty of the new covenant is it takes away sin-consciousness, that we wake up and we're son-conscious or daughter-conscious, and we realize we're being fathered. To be born again means you get a new parent, means you get a new father. Like to be made new, to be born again means the enemy's not your father anymore, but he wants to father you through his lies. He want, And because that voice is so familiar, sometimes we fall for it. So here's the deal. There's a guy, he's naked, he's gashing himself, he's breaking every chain. Jesus shows up on the scene. It's Mark 5, it's in other gospels as well. And there's this dialogue between them. And he says, you know, who's your name? And he says, we are legion for we are many. And this is what he does. He winds up setting the dude radically free. The demons beg, put us in the pigs. That's a whole other story. There's 2,000 pigs that they enter. But this is not a nice, neat story, guys. Like, those pigs belong to somebody. Like, that was somebody's livelihood. Like, somebody made money off of them. And I'm here to tell you, God is more interested in your personal freedom than, than, than somebody, you know, making, not that, not, I shouldn't say it like that, but like, the point is, is, is God is so into your freedom that no matter what it looks like and no matter who doesn't understand because confusion and fear hit a town. And you might be like, well, Jesus may not make anybody afraid. Dude, he totally freaked people out. Like, And here's why. It says that the man was in his right mind because only God can give you his mind. It says he was sitting down because only God can give you rest. It says that he was clothed because only God can cover your shame. Now, everybody, because he's in his right mind, seated and clothed, is freaked out because everybody prefers the demonized naked dude running around gashing himself with stones. It also tells me this, people, some people, not everybody, are more comfortable with your dysfunction than your freedom, and they don't want you to get free because your freedom challenges them and your freedom convicts them because now where they may have said, and I've encountered this a lot, where they may have said, God doesn't do things like that anymore, and now you're the living proof that he does, now they have to make a decision. Is my mind going to be renewed or am I going to continue to believe that, you know, X, Y, and Z, and this is why God doesn't. And all of a sudden, what do they say? Leave. And the, they, Jesus winds up leaving because don't think for a moment that he's going to hang around in a place where he's not wanted. And God bless this poor young man, whoever he is. He wants to be able to follow him. And what does the Lord say? Go back and tell everybody all the wonderful things that I did for you. Why? Because everybody in that area, they didn't need social media. Everybody in that area knew who that guy was. He had a reputation. It's no different than the woman at the well in John 4. Well, what does she say? She says, come see a man who told me everything about me. Everybody knew that woman. Why? Because she's had five husbands and the man she was with wasn't her husband. She had a reputation. And that's what I mean when I say only God in a moment can make somebody totally free. So why is that guy's story in the Bible? Because on a scale of one to 10, this is the most demonized guy I think that's ever lived and ever will live. So you can't sit there and say, yeah, but you don't know my story. I don't, I know mine and I know this guy's and I know so many others that are in here. And don't you for a minute in pride 
think God can't do it for me, because what you're saying is you're elevating your problem. You're elevating who you are above the promises that God has made. That's pride. That's not humility. To magnify your problem and magnify your story isn't Jesus. You're, you're raising it above his, his name. You're raising it above his word. And God says, I raise my word above my own name. Like if God's, what's he saying? If, 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 you can take it to the bank, whatever I say. And if I'm not faithful, don't believe what it, don't believe me who I am. If, if, if I don't keep my word, then don't believe me as a person. So I would, I would like to say this to you, everybody that's listening, everybody that's watching, because uh, we're going to pray here in a moment. God, God, I've seen it too many times in my travels. I've seen it too many times in working with teenagers. The number one issue that this generation needs right now, I'm convinced of is deliverance. I've, I've never seen a generation more bound, um, and it's, it's unfortunate because I'm not trying to declare the statistics of a generation over itself and pronounce judgment or say, hey, this is how it's going to be. But statistically, the most suicidal, the most depressed, the most anxious, um, they this generation doesn't need words. They need power. They need people that have experienced the Lord Jesus themselves that aren't afraid to declare the works of the Lord and who Jesus is and aren't afraid to take risks in praying for people and getting their hands on them and uh, and believing that through the Holy Spirit, the kingdom is going to come. So here's here's what I believe. I believe some of you watching and listening right now, you're feeling some things, you're feeling some tinglings right now in your body. And, uh, and I just want you to know that's a sign that God is working right now. I want you to know um, that as you are listening, I believe your faith was rising and I believe God is touching your physical body right now through that sensation of, of like like members of your body falling asleep, like that pins and needles kind of feeling. And uh, and so I just want to say to you, get ready, because we're about to pray. And even if you're not feeling that, that means nothing. All God's needs is your yes. All God needs is for you to hate that thing. Like, come on, he who hates his life, right, is the one who actually finds it. It doesn't say he who hates himself. What it means is he who hates where they're at, he who hates their condition, he who hates the fact that they can't overcome what it is that they'd like to overcome. He who hates that they don't have peace. He who hates that they don't have joy. God is not saying hate yourself and feel bad about yourself. He's saying if you're at the place where you hate your predicament, you're in a good spot because you realize there's nothing that you can do. So I just want you to know right here, but right before we get to pray, if you've got something going on in your life that you're like, you know what? I can't beat this. Then I, I want to pray for you. We're going to move just real quick into a time of ministry, and then I'm going to turn it over to Tristan. And uh, But I am believing, guys, for chains to break. This is God. This is your Jesus. Like, he, like, where, where everybody else, like, you know, here's this guy, like, no chain could hold this guy, yet Jesus is not intimidated. Jesus is not intimidated by a legion of demons. Jesus is not intimidated by your story. Jesus is not intimidated by where you find yourself. He's not intimidated by the abuse you felt. He's not intimidated by the mistakes you've made. He's not intimidated by any doors you opened. If you've opened them, fine, close them, repent, do whatever it is that you have to do. If you're like, yeah, but like I exposed myself to that. Yeah, but like, do you hate it? Do you wish you didn't? That's the that's repentance. It means you wish you could go back in time and change it. That means you're not the guy or girl who just did it because your mind's changed and you've become wiser and sharper, right? So, so just to the best of your ability, just close your eyes right now. We're just going to take authority. And more than that, we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and do what only he can do. Guys, if he set me free from crack cocaine, from an addiction, guys, you name it, video games, food, you might be like video games. Yeah, anything that was an escape. I looked at, I turned to, because I wanted to escape what I didn't like called myself. My life was dominated by rejection and the belief that there was something wrong with me that then caused me to do the things that I did in an effort to feel good about myself or escape the pain of not being accepted and not being wanted and not being loved. So Jesus, I just thank you right now. And Father, I thank you because I feel like you just told me that pornography thing is for a lot of you that are watching and listening right now. And I just want you to know that today's your day. Today is your day. I just want you to put your hand on your heart right now. And Father, I just, I just thank you in the name of Jesus for the gift of repentance and for the forgiveness of sins. And I just proclaim over everybody watching and everybody listening. Guys, Jesus told his disciples, if you retain the sins of any, they're retained. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. In the same way the Father sent me, I now send you. And I'm here to tell you, I'm declaring over you through Christ through Christ, forgiveness of sins is offered. Through the free gift of, of what he did on that cross, I'm here to tell you, your sins are forgiven. And he is faithful that if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful to wash them away. He is faithful 
to make the unrighteous righteous. And I, I right now, in the name of Jesus, according to any, any level of authority you've given to me, Jesus, because of the things I've experienced and the things you've opened my eyes to, the experiences that I've had, God, by being set free from pornography, from drugs, from food, from cigarette smoking, from alcohol. God, you name it. I thank you that we take authority over addiction right now in Jesus' name. And I command a spirit of bondage to lift off right now. Anybody listening and anybody watching. Jesus, I command, Father, the brokenhearted to be put back together. Every shattered piece of the soul to be put back together by the love of Jesus Christ right now. In fact, we we welcome, we invoke, we invite a revelation of the Father's love right now. But if you have something going on in your life that you're like, you know what, this feels out of balance. I always have this response. I always have this emotion. It seems to dominate my life no matter how hard I try. I can't beat it. Jesus, I ask that you touch that spot right now in Jesus' name. And I want to declare over everybody watching and listening the very simple prayer that you've just had me praying all, all this past summer. Be free in Jesus' name. Be free right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Go free. The prison doors have opened captivity has been taken captive. He's conquered the one who had the power of death. He's conquered the fear of death. And I invite you right now, Holy Spirit, to come and make wrong things right, for you to set captives free, for you to proclaim release to prisoners, for the brokenhearted to be bound, for this is the kingdom of God. This is why Jesus showed up on the scene and declared as he began his public ministry, the, king, the, the spirit of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to do these things. And it's the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of God that, 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 or say it's the Holy Spirit that in whom the kingdom of God is found. And so Holy Spirit, I ask that you just minister the kingdom because Jesus said, if I, by the spirit of God, cast out demons, then surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So I pray right now, kingdom of God, crash in and deliver anybody from the domain of darkness. Anybody who feels like they're bound in pain, in anger, in jealousy, in rage, in addiction, in the name of Jesus, be free right now through the power of the Holy Spirit, because your sins are forgiven, and that is what has disarmed the enemy. According to Colossians 2, 13 through 15, he has been disarmed because the certificate of debt has been nailed to the cross, and Jesus has triumphed over the enemy, made a public spectacle of him. And I declare freedom over you right now in Jesus' name. Be free, guys. And we look forward to hearing your testimonies in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I just stand with that, dude. Woo. Yeah. Over here, feeling God all over that. Um, oh, come on. Yeah. I just see, I just see people uh encountering God, you know, mm. with this just even if this gets 60 views, you know, I see 60 yeah. people having an encounter with Jesus right now, you know, mm. um, which leads me to my first question for you. Like, how important is an encounter with God? <laughs> it's funny you ask that, Tristan. For me, it's 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 everything. And I don't want I don't want to be cliche with this and I don't want to just use examples. But to be honest with you, man, like it's it's everything. For me, it's the door. Right. So I I I I just recently was preaching to a group of kids probably about two Sundays ago. And, uh, you know, and I, I said, you know, now don't get me wrong. The encounter is not the guarantee that you're going to love him, right? Because I can bump into you and I may not love you. So, but at the same time, it's the door. You read time and time again, what was Paul's entry point into the kingdom? He had a revelation that the one that he encountered was the one he was persecuting, right? He, yeah. Jesus first calls the disciples and says what? He first calls them that they might be with him before he has them do any ministry. That's what it says in Mark's gospel. He called the 12 that they might be with him. So over and over and over again, whether it's a burning bush, yeah. Whether 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 it's you know an angelic encounter, whether it's seeing you know angels ascending and descending while you're sleeping on a stone like Jacob, the point of the matter is is this God is so into encountering people because let's face it, if the Word became flesh, then He's a God of encounter. If the Word became flesh, then He's a God of self disclosure, and you can't you can't get to know somebody without first being introduced to them. Now, that encounter can come multiple ways, and that's a whole different question. That encounter, but I will tell you this, it comes though, and I, I made mention of this when I was when I was sharing that word earlier. 
guys, the most blessed place to be is poor in spirit. The most blessed place to be is to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because I'm telling you, this is attractive to the Holy Spirit. Jesus, it said of Jesus, according to, to John's gospel, the Holy Spirit descended upon him and remained, which tells me there are certain things that the Holy Spirit's attracted to. There are certain things that grieve him that he's repelled by. But I know this, if you ask him, to 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 be your best friend if you if you ask him god would you remove those things from my life that grieve your heart he will i believe that there's degrees of encounter i believe the more faithful we are the more we can be entrusted with different things i believe the same guys that were in acts chapter 2 that had that dramatic encounter with the holy spirit are the same guys in acts chapter 4 praying asking for boldness and they get filled with the spirit again so i am always chasing after an encounter Always, because I want my God reality to increase. The greatest thing we'll actually have in this life is God reality. The more aware of God I am, the more I fear him. The more I fear him, the more I'm going to love him. So the encounter is what introduces me to him, helps me to understand what he's like. But again, you've got to continue in that. You've got to do something like like God. God, I tell people, you know, God, and I think Eric Gilmore said this, so I don't want to take it from anybody. But like God will touch you in public so that it becomes something in private. Like he will, he will touch you so that when no one else is looking, you take that heart, that attitude with you in there and you shut that door and you'll find him. You'll encounter him even more. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, man. That's so good. I think that in the encounter too, it comes impartation, you know, sometimes um, I've just seen, you know, when people get fall out in the spirit, like me, I've, I've fallen out and the Lord just imparts to me vision, you know? Yeah. I love that. But I've also been in places where, uh, like, you know, it's not God, you know, have you yeah. ever been, been in a situation where they're trying to mimic his presence? Mm-hmm. Um, so how do we recognize the difference? Yeah, I would say probably the easiest thing, Tristan is, and I learned this from Randy Clark and thank God for him is you have to weigh everything by its fruit. Right. So there are going to be times like one of the things we learned, you know, we studied a lot in my first semester with my doctorate degree is is we learned a lot about revival. We learned about Azusa. We learned about the latter rain movement. We learned about the charismatic renewal. We learned about the third wave movement that all of us are a part of right now. And you're always going to have anything that is of great value that the enemy is going to pervert. He's going to mimic it. Right. So there's nothing probably more under assault right now than sexuality, whether it's identity, it's it's constantly sex saturated, everything oozes sexuality. But that also tells me same with money because people get weird with money. That tells me that there's a holy root to it. Right. So the enemy, the only thing the enemy can do is pervert what God is doing. The only thing he can do is 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 put his own spin on it. So you have people complaining about, you know, well this person was barking like a dog and you know this person was, you know, doing this. I don't care what the manifestation is, don't get me wrong, we need to be able to weigh them and that's what you're asking, how do we discern through this stuff? We can only discern it by the spirit and we have to understand that everything in time, all fruit comes to maturity. So it's just a matter of time that I will find out was that encounter God? Because what did it do in that individual's life? I mean, I've seen people shrieking like at the top of their lungs, you know, but like they come up and they're transformed. The devil's not doing that. The devil, like some people may have looked at my experience in 2009. The enemy is not setting people free from what he put them in bondage with. Like the enemy is not causing me to, you know, shake on the ground and cry and, you know, and deliver me from pornography. The enemy's not doing that. So, but over time though, but you're always going to have people that no matter, even if you're walking in holiness and you have the fruit of it, again, like I said about that man in Mark chapter five, you're going to have people that your encounter makes them feel uneasy. And in an effort to justify where they are, they will, they will, they'll put it down. They'll come against it, you know, and stuff like that. So be very careful. Like a man with experience doesn't need to be bothered by the opinion of another individual. Right. But when we have that experience, then we like, even when people come against it, it's like, you can't take that from me. It's like the guy that Jesus healed, right. Who was blind, who was born blind. And, uh, and he's like, look, one thing I know guys, like I, I didn't see now I see. And sometimes that's the only answer you have, but the fruit of it is made evident that that encounter was God, but 100%, we can get into the flesh. We can try to be emotional. We can try to work up a move. You will know, you'd be surprised. So many people are afraid. Oh, what if I'm get deceived? 
If you're walking with God and you're in relationship with him and your heart's to please him, he will sniff that out and you'll know this isn't the Lord and you don't have to receive from it. I've been in environments where I'm like, this isn't the Lord, you know, and and God bless them. I think maybe their heart's in the right place, but they're trying to work something up. Um, I think there are some people that that do weird manifestations because they're it's it reveals the brokenness in their life. So don't don't fall in this place of like, geez, they're weirdos. No, just like in tenderness, be praying for them, you know? Yeah. So we were, that's very good. And I think I, I've seen the exact same thing, like the shrieking, all that, and mm-hmm. I've been the one. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, I get it. Yeah. Like Holy Spirit just falls, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Um, but you also were getting in your message. You're talking about seeing God as a father. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think you know, I've seen in my generation, you know, we got like a fatherless generation, like Crystal Baldwin yeah. said. And so like, what do you say to teenagers that you work with that struggle with seeing God as a father? Mm-hmm. Well, the first, the first thing I do is I always use my story and I, 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 my story is one that's just riddled with rejection. So my parents divorced when I was eight. So I love my father. Don't get me wrong. He's probably the biggest cheerleader in my life, but he just wasn't there. Not because he didn't want to be. My mom cheated on him and I love my mom too. If it wasn't for my mom was at 19, I wouldn't even be where I am now. So her life got radically changed, you know, and everything else. So what I try to help people understand is simply your father, your heavenly father, which is, let's face it, the greatest revelation Jesus brought. He said, call no man on earth your father because you have one, right? He said, if you've seen me to Philip, you've seen the father, which tells me what? Philip says, dude, this is profound. Philip says, show us the father and it's enough for us. What is he saying in John 14? He's saying, if we would, if we could just know who the father is, we don't need anything else. Like that, like hear him, like Show us the Father, it's enough for us. That's the only thing we need is to see who the Father is and what he's like, which tells me what? It's the heart cry of every single person. It's the heart cry. So what I try to help kids understand is the God the Father is not a reflection of what you had on earth. He's the perfection of what a lot of us have never had. He's not the reflection, he's the perfection. Now, that doesn't mean that the enemy didn't take opportunity through you know a child growing up fatherless or growing up in a home where there was a father, but he was emotionally aloof. He just wasn't present. He never said, I'm proud of you. You know, there's a lot that, that I, I encounter that, yeah, it's, it's primarily family wounds. I, I, I tell people, I'm convinced that the greatest thing this generation's up against, which would be, you know, a part fatherlessness would be a part of it, but the larger overarching umbrella would be rejection. And so even, even if kids that grow up in a perfect home, um, the enemy can still twist things and make it make it seem like your father said this or your mom meant that, right? So if we don't help them through the word, see how this thing got twisted in the beginning, right? So Adam and Eve, they're made in God's image. God puts Adam to sleep out of his rib. He makes his wife. That's a beautiful prophetic imagery. I'm not going to get into all of that. Um, but the number one thing that comes under assault is what? The moment they sin who God is comes into question. Now the one whose presence they loved and enjoyed, he's angry with me and he's coming to get me right now. Let's face it, like the number one sign, uh, the number one uh, effect of sin is not just self-consciousness and blame. Well, it's the woman you gave me. No, it's the serpent's fault. The number one effect of sin is, is I hid because I was afraid, right? And so, so we have to help people understand that through that story, when God comes in this on the scene and he's never changed, you know, it's, he's always been this way is he comes on the scene and he says, where are you? In other words, Hey, Adam, we normally meet at this time and you're not here that like, if you just take your, cause I'll tell you, if you're not careful, what you believe about God determines the tone you read the Bible in. So like I can, if you're not careful, you can read that and you can make it sound like, dude, where are you? Or you can hear a lovesick father that's saying, where's my son? But the one thing he does not do is come in and say, what did you do? I gave you one thing to do, and you couldn't even get that right. What's the matter with you? And that's how a lot of us grew up, whether it was a coach on a team, a teacher, a brother, a sister, a parent. A lot of us grew up, and if we didn't measure up to a certain standard, we got relationally punished, right? So we it was met with you know, the cold shoulder. It was met with the silent treatment. It was met with, I'm going to have an out 
outward display of anger to communicate to you, you didn't do what I want, and it's your responsibility to make me happy. And until you get in line, I'm going to keep punishing you relationally. So that's what we're up against. And if we can help people to understand the reality of God is ever pursuing you because he knows what you're believing about. Let's face it, because if I'm believing that about God, I'm believing heinous stuff about me because I can only know myself through the Father. So what we're actually really up against, Tristan, is um, we're dealing with a generation of people that don't even like who they are, and the opinion they carry of themselves is actually preventing them from being able to receive the love that God has for them. So it's not just a, we're dealing with you know, their ability to see the Father rightly, but when they do that, then they're actually able to see themselves rightly and be able to receive from Him. So we have to help them see, listen, the enemy took advantage through your story. The Bible says in Luke 4 that he waited for, I think it was Luke 4, a more opportune time after he tested Jesus with these temptations, a more opportune time he left him for. And I tell people, look, the enemy will wait for certain things. Your parents divorce. Here's the opportune time for the enemy to come and say, see, your dad doesn't love you, you know, and it becomes a stronghold, you know, in your thinking. And I just went through this with a group of kids not that long ago. I'm like, if there's a stronghold, then that means there's a man guarding the house. And he, and what happens a lot of times is we have situations that we retreat. A stronghold is something you retreat back to. You don't fight a fight from the castle. The castle is the last line of defense. So what happens a lot of times is when we retreat back to faulty thinking, that's a sign that there's a stronghold in place. There's a strong man. The enemy has built something, but it's overcome through the truth of who the father is in here. And that's why I love when, when the Bible says about Jesus, he's the image of the invisible God, the exact radiance of his nature. No one has seen God at any time, but he who has explained him. It's John 1, 18, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and Colossians 1, 15. So you have this dynamic where the number one thing Jesus came to do was to reveal who the Father is. Only, only through the revelation brought by the Holy Spirit, by helping us to see Jesus and therefore the Father rightly, can that be overcome, the wrong thinking that we have about who the Father is. Wow, 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 wow. And um, something I've realized is that the Lord will show himself how you need him to at that moment. Um, yeah. I think that, so I've, ex I've, I've shared it probably a hundred times now on this podcast about a moment where I had an encounter with a physical touch from God and it felt like a mother's comfort, not a father. Dude, I love it. I love it. Um, so I think that God will meet us right where we're at, but like you said, strongholds and mm -hmm. how do we tear down, you know, the enemy addiction, strongholds, things like that, that we've built, you know, that we run back to and you, you've dealt with it in your life. Mm -hmm. with pornography. Um, what would you say to someone right now that, uh, is young, that's struggling with that? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is like we said in the message is you need to rejoice if you're doing it, it breaks your heart. That's number one. Like I wish I had somebody when I was struggling with that addiction, because what I believed was there's still something wrong with me. And I got focused on what was wrong and not what was right. And what was right was it bothered me. My heart was alive. Right. And I would encourage people, the first thing you need to do, because the number one temptation is going to be what? God is angry with me because I did this again, which then causes you to do what? Run and hide. So shame actually keeps the sin alive, right? But the conviction of God and running to him and saying, I have a hard time believing you want to father me right now, but I'm asking that you would hold me and father me. And I realize that you're the only one that can deal with this. And God, if you saved my spirit, if you recreated me, then you're the one who's sanctifying me. And I thank you that you're at work in my life. It may not look at it like it, but I keep coming to you, God. And like clay, I yield myself to you again. Would you finish what it is that you began? That is the only way that I believe that we are going to accurate, adequately um, deal with it if we're not careful. Because again, if we're not careful... The, the 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 deceitfulness because uh the writer of Hebrews says it talks about the deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin is simply God doesn't love you anymore because you did this, right? And for some reason, there's this odd flip that the enemy will be like, you know, well, of course God loved you, or of course God had grace for you when you were lost. This is how the enemy works. Now you're saved, now you're a son, now you're a daughter. You know better than this. And it's it's an accusatory voice. God is not fathering you like that. God realizes, he guys, listen, this will set some of you free. He rejoices more over that it breaks your heart than he is disappointed that, with the fact that you did it again. Okay? So we, we're like, oh my gosh, like, what do I have to do to fix this? And like, you know, I'm, I'm going to enter. But like, the truth of the matter is the Bible says the law is the power of sin. 
So if you're not careful, that's 1 Corinthians 15, 56. So if you're not careful, you're going to put yourself back under law and say, if I read more, if I pray more, the discipline's not what makes you free. It's it's submitting to, it's yielding to, it's inviting him in. It's getting hungry and going to a conference if you need to, believing that God could set you free. That's what I did. I'm like, I'll pay whatever price I have to because the registration fee is the sign that like, I really want to get free. I'm not playing around, you know? And in the meantime, get good at telling on yourself, confess your sin one unto another and pray for one another that you might be healed. Because in the confession, you're saying, I don't want this. I hate this. But if you allow the enemy to say, don't tell anybody, because what if they change their mind? Guys, I'm telling you, that's a lie. People are impressed by humility. They have higher respect when somebody comes clean, when somebody's vulnerable. They don't think the opposite. And if they do, they're probably off the deep end somewhere, lost, confused, and don't know who they are. But there's strength in the confession. And when you start talking about where you're at, because let's face it, guys, we're all in different spots. We're all being sanctified. But again, Jesus said, it is finished. He didn't say, I am finished. No. So he's the high priest that can save everybody that draws near, continually save. So if you need grace, where do you go? To the throne that I might find grace to help. The enemy wants to convince you and say, you did it again. He's disappointed. He's so angry that you can't talk to him till you haven't done that thing for a while. That's what the enemy did to me for 10 years. I wish I would have had somebody come to me and say, Brian, isn't it amazing that you used to be able to look at pornography and it didn't bother you? Now, when you look at it, your heart breaks. Isn't that cool? God's at work in your life. Now, that's not the justification to keep looking at it. But what that person is saying is it's not your identity anymore. So you got to get your identity right. And you got to understand your fighting point is, is running to God, not away from God. Wow. Wow. Very good. Now, here's a hard thing that I've realized. Um, I'm starting to look around. I feel like that could be really difficult for leaders. Mm-hmm in leadership so what would you say to somebody if they're a pastor if they're like a person in authority and they're mm-hmm. struggling with pornography they're struggling with something and they they're afraid to go and communicate that to yeah someone. well this this might sound like a really harsh <laughs> answer and i don't mean it to be i would say you got to come clean because like the lord taught me that lesson right away was like it's it's when you're hiding that the you give the enemy permission to counsel you, counsel you in the darkness you're hiding in, and it'll sound justifiable. Well, if they find out, you're going to lose your status as a leader. No, it actually gives you more credibility to lead because you actually know you're walking in people's shoes. You're relatable. And again, I'm not saying that's the justification, but like I promise you, like, dude, to be honest with you, Tristan, sometimes I look. I look back over the times where the Lord put me in a position that I probably shouldn't been put in because I was addicted to pornography. But again, like he put me in that position, not because I was squeaky clean. He put me in that position because the posture of my heart, it's, it's not about walking perfection. It's about the posture of your heart. And like in your confession, that's why I'm saying like, it's powerful when leaders confess it's powerful when leaders come clean, because again, if you're worried about your image, you're at the center of it. Like you're, yeah, you're, you're filled with pride and like grace can't come to you because God's actually going to oppose you if you're in pride. So like the very thing you're trying to protect, you could lose because like the very thing you're trying to hold on to my position, my respect, my image out. This is what I know. Just like we said earlier about like, you know, judging manifestations, all fruit comes to maturity at some point. You're not going to hide it anymore. And it will be made known because God has a way. If you're not coming clean, if you're not owning now, I I understand. I don't think every single human being needs to know your struggle, but I do think you should be talking to somebody because I think, I think life is best done in relationship. I think life is done in community. And if you're, if you're an Island unto yourself, if you're, if you're doing this thing on your own, then I think it's the recipe. You know, if you're a sheep wandering by itself, dude, it's just a matter of time till the enemy has his way with you. So I would encourage people. I'm not saying you have to be like me, but I'll tell you what, there was something because like in coming clean, it's like this guy's got nothing to hide. And in the in, in the confession was like, I was, I was not only declaring, hey, I'm I'm caught in this bondage, I was also declaring, but I want to do the right thing. I actually want to be pleasing to God. Wow. So good. yeah. All right, brother. Well, I would love for you to um, share a little bit about your ministry. Okay. So I could put a link in the description for everybody. If you're yeah. a teacher, 
if you are looking for this man right here, because I will say on behalf of my generation, I feel like the Lord has put mantle on me for my generation, you know, come on to lead the way, you know, Um, to carry the torch and lead us out of this darkness that Mm. everybody's trying to say like, oh, Gen Z's walked away from Jesus. I think we just started. And I think, come on. I think through encounter with Jesus, I think our generation needs one encounter with God and we're going to change the world. That's yeah. what I, I really believe. Like through my journey, as soon as I encountered him, I heard a lot of preaching. I heard a lot of reading, you know, a lot of things like that. But an encounter with Jesus changed my life. And mm. I will say this podcast right now, I'm over here feeling the Holy Spirit in my mm. in my office. And I believe there's something on you that mm. my generation needs to hear. And yeah. I heard it today. And you have more for them. So everybody, I encourage you to go follow his ministry. Uh, whenever you have like a conference or something going on, I say, go. Yeah. I bless it in Jesus name. Oh. Um, so will you just go ahead and pray over everybody? I would love to. Yeah, Tristan. I, I just, yeah, can I, let me just say this before I pray. Your heart, dude, is is so incredibly pure for your generation. So I just want to take a moment, hear the Lord for you, prophesy over you guys and and just over the ministry. So so Jesus, I just thank you right now for for um, just the word that I'm hearing right now, Tristan, it's interesting. Normally we we say world changer, but the word I'm hearing for you is game changer. And here's here's why I think a lot of people play games with God. And uh, and I feel like you're, you're calling them out of the hip- hypocritical lifestyle. And I feel like there's an anointing on your life, buddy, to, to call people up higher, to walk in a level of holiness. That's, that's not unattractive because sometimes people hear holiness and they're like, oh, that just sounds like legalism. And it's all about not doing this and not doing that. And it, holiness is nothing to do with that. Holiness has to do with loving the Lord so much that you couldn't even imagine wanting to do those things because you know that it would break his heart. And I want you to know you carry that. You're going to be walking in that. And uh, so I just declare over you, Tristan, that you are a game changer, that you're going to change the game that your generation is playing, that your gener- and you're going to change the image of the game because a lot of people in your generation, they're turned off by the game that's been played by the previous generation where they've seen, they've, they've it's like when Paul said to Timothy, they have a form of godliness, but they deny it. Its power. So I just I just declare that over you, Tristan, that you are a game changer. And so Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to come before you again. And Father, if there's anything worth imparting from my life to anybody watching and listening by the Holy Spirit, then I ask and pray that you'd release it now in Jesus' name, that you'd overcome them by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'd give them a burden for the next generation that they too would walk in signs and wonders that confirm the word of your grace, the message of salvation, that Jesus really did come. He really did die. He really rose again. He really sent the Holy Spirit so that the kingdom of God might continue to advance through his people. And then one day it'll be fully consummated when you return again. This is the good news. We thank you, Lord, for Tristan's ministry. And and we just ask, Father, that it would just continue to produce incredible fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah. All right, well, tell us a little bit about Faith Like a Bird ministry. Yeah, yeah, Faith Like Birds uh, started in 2019. Um, I'll just nutshell it really quick. I've been on, I've been in full-time ministry since 2005. And uh, for the first, gosh, 14 years, it was at the local church level. But we answered the Lord's call in 2019 to start you know, itinerant ministry and Faith Like Birds was conceived. Um, we travel, we do itinerant ministry for local youth groups, youth retreats, youth events, youth conferences. Um, but we also host our own event called The Shout. And that's actually coming up uh, April, I want to say it's the 14th through the 16th, Michaela. Um, so uh, that is myself, Will Hart, uh, Jessica Tate, um, worship from uh, Providence Community Church, which is a local church here. We live in the York area, York, Pennsylvania, um, but it's going to be in Carlisle, PA, right where Dickinson College is. It's at Camp Bongiorno, and uh, it's an entire weekend event. It's Friday all the way through Sunday morning. Your meals are provided. Your lodging is provided. And um, dude, it's just, it's just what you were saying, Tristan. It's what your heart is. It's what my heart is, is kids, dude. I wish I could tell you testimonies, dude. Like there was, there was a, there was a girl there who um, I will share this really quick. Just cause I think it's powerful. There was a girl there who was probably about 13, 14, 15 years old. We didn't know who she was. Um, her mom was going to sell her into the sex trade when she was a really little girl. And the grandmother rose up 
took the little girl in, but the, it wasn't long before this girl, you know, uh, even though the grandmother was trying to do right by her, this girl got full-blown lesbianism, full-blown the occult, um, was was running hard after darkness. And at the event, we didn't we didn't speak against lesbianism. We didn't speak against the occult. All we're doing is we're preaching Jesus. We're sharing testimony, dude. And we're just asking God to come and wipe these kids out. It's my favorite thing on the earth to do is watch kids encounter God, watch them weep as his love becomes real. This girl gets totally free and stands up in her church the following Sunday. You can watch it on YouTube and is just like, like the grandmother is crying saying, that's not my granddaughter. God did it so quick and changed her so fast. And she's going to school and she's wearing her, you know, Jesus is shouting shirt that we have. And, and um, you know, in study hall is praying and people are, you know, making fun of her. She doesn't care, man. She's just on fire for the Lord. So uh, we do that annually. We do that once a year, the shout, we're actually getting ready to do another one in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, at the end of 2023, we're going to be with friends of ours, Paul Martini at New Life uh, City Church and Ethan Grant, who's the youth pastor there. Um, so yeah, man. And if anybody's ever interested, they want to host an event like that. You want to invite us to come out, faithlikebirds.com. It's probably the easiest thing to do is go to our website, or you can follow us on on uh, Instagram at faithlikebirds or Facebook, Facebook faithlikebirds, and we're on YouTube as well. So come check us out. We can serve you. Again, we're not looking just to come and preach a message. If we can serve you and your vision in wanting to see kids encounter God and get set free, we would love to partner with you. And do not for a second let money stand in the way. We come, we bless, we just trust the Lord's work, and we're just ready to come and help and serve and bless people. Hallelujah. All right, brother. Well, I'm I'm extremely grateful for you coming on. Um, I'm You're more than welcome to come on whenever you would like. Um, I would just love to pray over you, actually. Yeah. So I just I just feel like can you just like put your hands out like this? Yeah. Or something. So thank you, Holy Spirit. So God, I thank you for the amazing call you have over Brian's life, God. I thank you for his family. I thank you for the incredible vision you've given him. And Lord, I just ask that you bless him right now in Jesus name. God, I ask that you fall on him, anoint him more than you've already anointed him, Lord. I ask that you give him the strength to steward the anointing, to lead this generation into what their calling is, God. I ask that um, healings will come through his hands, Lord, that people will get out of wheelchairs through his ministry, Lord, that they'll get to encounter Jesus in this new way, this new this new sight of you, Lord, because, because God you want to do it. So Lord, I ask that you do it through Brian, God. I ask that people come to come to these conferences, come to these events, Lord. These teenagers, they come, they encounter you just like he just uh, shared a testimony, Lord, but they run throughout the country prophesying and speaking of your name like the woman at the well, Lord. So in Jesus' name, I impart my first Timothy anointing to you, Brian, that they, these, these people will encounter Jesus in a whole new light. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. I hope this podcast changed your life today. If it did, put in the comments, tell us what you learned, how it helped you. Put amen in the comments. Let's just blow this up and share this with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I love you guys. See you next week.